Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to an official Block Talk Radio show. Video link special. I'm your host Frankie B. Okay, um, I did do an announcement, and but it came out uh, kind of spotty, and it came out kind of low. Now, uh, I'm going to keep on going with the show. There's going to be a full 30 minutes. I'm going to try to squeeze in as much as I can. Um, what's going to happen is we're going to have our final live show on Manhattan Neighborhood Network live on MNN. Um, Tomorrow, uh, December 17th at 5 p.m. If you missed it, um, you can go to the website, mnn.org. If you missed it, it will be posted um, on YouTube during the weekend. It will be up on Monday for the next blog, which is usually on Monday. So real quick, what I did was um, I kind of switched things around. Um, I made a posting today on the right-hand side you will see the website, the logo for the website, and the actual link. Okay, it's kind of repeating myself, I know, but, you know, I just want to make that clear for everybody. So it's VideoLineExpress.com. Underneath will be our YouTube site, VideoLineExpress on YouTube. Underneath that is that Godzilla site, uh, Godzilla community, should I say. Um, again, that link is not working. I'm trying to straighten that out. But if you just cut and paste into your browser, it takes you directly to the community. Now, if you're not signed out to Google+, it will ask you for that. It will say you need to be signed up with Google+. Plus. That's something out of my hands. Uh, that's they're doing, not me. Okay? It would be nice if you could just click on Godzilla Community and boom, you're right there. But that is a Google Plus thing, not me. Underneath that will be SoundCloud. Oh, excuse me, no. The Block Talk Radio Widget. It will say the widget. It will have... Um, this show is known as Rogue One Star Wars Story. Okay, and need add it would say special announcement. That's something I made in the pre um, earlier this week, should I say? I need that at SoundCloud. That's out for in January because I'm begin, I'm going to be adding a lot more uh, music to that, all original composition and everything. Ever since uh, what was that uh, show, Strange Things or whatever, each um, music. Uh, 80s synth thing kind of uh, is making a big comeback. And so that's stuff I've been writing for years. And because of my management, they said, listen, you got to push for that. So Eminem will be our last live show tomorrow on Saturday. We're taking a holiday break. We're going to be on January. We got renewed, which means we're going to have more shows in January. Now, it's gonna, now people are going to say, oh, but you're going to miss the whole Rogue thing. No. It's predictions. Uh, it did huge opening numbers on Thursday. It did better than Batman vs. Superman, better than Civil War for the year. So that means it's going to open to about $150 million. Now, in the U.S., we all love Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars Force Awakens is like the number one all-time U.S. domestically. It became at number three. How come number three? How come it wasn't like the biggest worldwide ever in the history of cinema? Very simple. China, that's right, China, where Pacific Rim, they made an announcement about 
the sequel in the title, Pacific Rim Milestone or whatever, Uprising, whatever the hell they call it. Anyway, Pacific Rim number one made over $200 million. The next clear $100 million. Hmm. Godzilla did huge over there. Suicide Squad and did okay. Deadpool wasn't even released. They just turned it back the the Force Awakens. Then they turned their back on the Force Awakens. It was in the top five. It didn't clear number one. And Japan, forget about it. It couldn't even clear number one. It was like number three or number two. The only Japanese films was number one. Those three factions we got to watch out for. We're going to be back, uh, what is it, January 14th, the second Saturday in January, and that's when the numbers are going to come out. Never mind um, the U.S. Uh, box office numbers. What the whole thing is internationally, how's it going to do overseas? It's going to open at the beginning of January in China, then India, and then Japan. We're going to have those two shows in January, we're going to be covering those numbers. That's the most curious thing. Where is Rogue One going to stand? What they did in Rogue One, they added two Asian um, actors. Okay? Um, Donnie Yen. Famous Donnie Yen. Okay? If you know IP Man and all those other uh, um, uh, action flicks. Uh, that should draw a lot of numbers. If they don't like Star Wars... Which kind of proved they didn't like Star, they didn't like Force Awakens, and that was because of the trilogy, the Phantom Menace tri- trilogy. I like to, I like to say it that way. And um, they said, well, we don't like the trilogy, and we're not big on Force Awakens. Maybe it was changed their mind, and so because this is the, the Rogue One is part of the New Hope trilogy, meaning New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi. China did like them because. Uh, the DVD did sell really good. They didn't like the tr- um, Phantom Menace uh, uh, trilogy. So that's the reflection. Disney was very careful adding two Asian actors to Rogue One, so, so hopefully it would sell uh, tickets in China. That's, that is the angle. Uh, his name is Razid, I believe. Uh, he's Pakistanian, but raised in England. He's also known as a rapper. He's kind of like Indian. Uh, they added him to the character... Well, his character, they added him as part of the Rogue team. Uh, of course, he's supposed to represent India, sort of. Uh, that was their angle. So the casting is very influential on Rogue One because they want to go into these territories. Okay? A lot of people didn't, don't realize that, but that's the angle. Okay? And, of course, uh, for, for, for um, broke through a barrier saying, you know, she's getting seven figures. That means 1.2, 1.5, 1.9. We don't know the exact amount, but she is making over a million dollars. Good for her. Now, um, I'm going to cover a couple of points. So I might be going a little bit back and forth, but I just want to tap on a, a couple of things here. Um, Carrie Fisher, her book. Okay. I'm going to go back to Rogue One because I'm going to be, I'm going to connect the dots, but let me just cover The Princess Diaries by Carrie Fisher, her book. Uh, she wrote a lot of things about her drug problems, alcohol problems, and a book that she wrote, Wishful Drinking. You see Princess Leia holding a martini, but her head is down, passed out of the bar. Really funny cover. Uh, the book basically is, is in three parts. We're quoting the first, uh, the first third. It's about Hona Harrison. 
she doesn't remember too much of the details, supposedly. Whatever she said on the talk circuit, that's, that's the dirt. There's no, really no extra dirt um, about her having sent forward. She doesn't mention the first picture she ever did was with Warren Beatty, uh, Shampoo. And uh, she got the, kind of like the idea of uh, the way men think. Uh, she had like a little tennis outfit, and Warren Beatty, how does she look without a bra? They tried her out with a bra, and Warren Beatty said, I'd rather have her like that. And she does mention the chauvinism in the business, and that was her first taste in acting, which refers to uh, uh, George Lucas, uh, there's no underwear in space, okay? Was that to, to quite a bit of times, and especially with the Slayer outfit. The Leia being the slave, slave Leia, excuse me. Anyway, a little quick trivia. In the book, they, you know that she acted with John Travolta almost, almost acted with John Travolta two times. One was with Carrie. She auditioned for Carrie. When she went to audition for uh, Carrie uh, and Star Wars at the same time, George Lucas and Brian De Palma were both in the office, both directors, and they interviewed her. And so she did a, um, a test screening with Brian De Palma for Carrie. She didn't get the part, but she got it for Star Wars. So she almost started with uh, John Travolta and Carrie, and then she went to do uh, another test run for Greece uh, along with uh, John Travolta. That didn't work out. And then she did a thing with uh, Terrence Malick with Days of Heaven. That didn't work out. Um, was it? Um, yeah, because John Travolta was going to do the part for Days of Heaven. And she looked like she almost got the part, except but, um, John couldn't do the film. So John was out and Richard Gere was in. I read with Richard Gere. Let's say uh, Beakers didn't bubble with capability. Uh, so I was out, and Brooke Adams was in to quote Harry Fisher. Uh, that's on page 17. Anyway, she auditioned for the films, The Grease, The Fortune. Anyway, she, um, so she's lucky she got Star Wars. She met Harrison Ford, had an affair, okay? Harrison Ford's uh, marriage was breaking down. And, you know, and by the time they ended the, uh, the affair, he got divorced anyway, so... The, okay, the second part is her diaries, okay? And and within the diary, she does some, um, which I, she writes pretty good, okay? Um, I I picked one. Ah, what a shame. Um, there was one I hit. Okay, of course, I'm playing a losing hand. And a hand on which I invite you to tread. If only I could love someone, but I've chosen... To love anyone instead. So she, she kind of got some poetry in there that rhymes. I thought it was pretty good. My, I'm holding the book in my hand right now because I'm reading it and it's falling apart. Okay. They should glue this thing together. Okay. And then the third half, uh, she goes and talks about um, the fan base. And at one part, one part of her life, besides the drinking, the drugs, and all that stuff, uh, she talks a lot about... Um, you know, that, that stuff, uh, we call it the stuff they add to the lips to make it all fuller. I forget what to call it. But anyway, um, her manager uh, kind of screwed her out of financially, and she, she went up broke. And thanks to the fans and doing the, the comic cons and all that and signing autographs, you know, it kind of really bailed her out, and she's been uh, much appreciated. And she said some of the fans can be a little bit wacky sometimes. She, uh, she does uh, spell some. But then again, if you talk to a lot of stars, they meet a lot of whack jobs on the uh, comic, comic con conventions, okay? And she ends the story about, uh, out of all things, Madame Toussaint, that's what they do, the whack statue that made her 
That means Jabba the Hutt and her in a slave outfit. She can't get away from it. She does acknowledge the, her fan base, and she's very much appreciated. What's good about this book is she's got a great sense of humor about herself. Imagine Princess Leia with a sense of humor. Will you get this shag caput out of my way? Exactly. But she mentions one thing, and here's the angle I'm going to go into. She mentioned uh, the chauvinistic. It's a, it's a man's world, and you know that's what she grew up with. Okay, she married Paul Simon. Paul Simon wanted her to stay home, have babies. She wanted to continue her career. Uh, even though she was Princess Leia, she got a little bit typecast. She went to do a lot of writing. Uh, remember Quentin Tarantino? He started as a writer for other scripts. Washington, um, uh, who's been nominated for Fences. Uh, the Crimson Tide, he plays submarine commander. And there's a scene, uh, he talks to one of the, the sailors, said, Scotty, I need more power for this nuclear um, for this nuclear submarine. Um, and all that verbalization to uh, court status and court references, the script was completely military. And I said, listen, we got uh, the, one of the producers said, you got to put some cultural references so people can relate to this. It's too military. Put in some Star Trek references and, uh, you know, some other cultural references and stuff. And that was, Quentin Tantino was hired for that. Uh, Carrie Fisher did that for Postcards on the Edge, a couple of Meryl Street movies. So she was a script doctor, as they call it. So she survived on that. So let's flash forward. Jones, uh, in her case, she uh, not only got one point uh, whatever million dollars. This, the connection is – I'm looking at my t- uh, notes here. Okay, real quick. Women are getting to be in charge. For example, Jessica Jones. Okay, Jessica Jones. This is an article that I put on my uh, on my blog a couple of weeks ago. I never got a chance to cover. Uh, Jessica Jones is a show, and the article states Jessica Jones hires all women directors for season two. Uh, so that's come a long way. Now this is not bragging rights. Uh, I work as a background actor. Uh, a show I ever did for HBO was called The Deuce. It's coming out. In January, and I was picked specifically by the, the by the director. Actually, one of a henchmen, shall we say, one of the uh, assistant PAs. Uh, they they lined us up about ten of us, and one of them pointed to me and said, "Hey, how about this guy?" Then Michelle McLaren. Yeah, let's pick him. Uh, who's Michelle McLaren? She directed the Deuce. She directed a couple episodes of Game of Thrones. She wrote, uh, she was executive producer and director of The X-Files, okay? She does a lot of show on HBO Showtime. She specifically directed me in two scenes. Um, firsthand, not only being an HBO show, but directed by uh, a female. To me, it doesn't matter. I couldn't care who directs me. I just want to, don't want to screw up the scene or I'll never work again. But she, she, was, she was fantastic about it. Uh, I did a scene with James Franco, and she directed me in that scene. Uh, so I got first know-how, first taste, and first experience on that situation. Um, as Kerry Fisher's The Boys Town, it, the things are changing. And um, just last month, uh, I got directed. This was more of a, uh, of a crowd ensemble. I was part of a crowd. So I wasn't specifically directed, but the person who directed, um, let me get a law and order. Special Victims Unit. We filmed at the New York City Courthouse down by City Hall. And that episode, of course, uh, was 
directed by Mariska Hadigate. Oh, God. I'm so bad with names. I'm sorry. Sorry, Mariska. I don't know how she did it with high heels. Sounds chauvinistic. She was climbing up and down the steps, but she was so focused, okay, in directing this episode. And she directed a lot of episodes. Of course, you know, she's the daughter of, of James Mansfield, um, a famous starlet of the 50s who died in a car accident. Okay, so um, I've seen firsthand women directors, okay, directed, got specifically directed by one. And the things, the tide is turning. Now, let me make another connection real quick. Um, this is a stretch. Now, the, Let's get away from producing and directing, acting. I just wanted to mention Walking Dead. Um, I forgot the girl's name. My apology. Not Chicone, not the one with the sword chick, the one with the killer afro. She got hired to be the leading commander of the new Star Trek Discovery TV series. Pretty good gig you, if you can get it. Okay? Uh, so Star Trek will have an, an, another official commander. But everybody will say, but that's Janeway. Yeah, but she was Caucasian. Now we have an African-American female directing. And, of course, the second command is Michelle Yo, Asian. So not only female are breaking down a lot of um, female lot of ladies are breaking down the barriers, but so is diversity. Okay? Uh, me, as a, a background actor, I've come across some things, uh, you don't like right for the part. Okay, you look too tiny, you look too Spanish, you don't look white enough. I'm going, what the hell are you looking for? You know, um, so I've come, me, myself as a male, I've come across that. There's, you know, there's still a little bit um, sh chauvinistic points of views. But it's good to see that this thing is leading in the right direction. And Carrie Fisher said, we started as... Um, how about you say? Um, what do you say? I, I forget. The, I'm looking at the pace here. They started at basic, at basic rates. You know, they didn't get to the high points until after the, they did the uh, New Hope. Then they went on to do um, Empire Strikes Back. What uh, George Lucas was smart was nobody was signed for a, a contract to do a trilogy like nowadays. Okay. Um, for example, for Cecily Jones. Can't say that word tongue-tied, sorry. And that's uh, what I put on my blog today. Well, let me let me get to finish up this uh, finish this here. So they get they, they get standard pay, you know, five hundred dollars a week or whatever. And then George Lucas said, "Let me give you points, and then we'll give you a raise for the second and third, because then there was no contract for a sequel or a franchise or to do a trilogy or anything like that." But George Lucas was smart, and that's what started all this whole franchise marketing, branding kind of thing. Um, what They play safe with a higher, let's try this and see if we can do a spin-off or a sequel or, or whatever. Okay? But she did that because of the trilogy, she got points thanks to George Lucas. Now it's, it's being embedded in contracts. So if Lizzie Jones, and she did an interview yesterday, because on my blog I said Rogue One Predictions, Box Office Predictions, as I mentioned, and Rogue Two, the sequel? I said, how can there be a sequel to Rogue One? And it uh, the sequel, A New Hope? No. Technically, when a film comes out 
as Star Wars, Star Wars was not even a new hope. There was no trilogy. Star Wars was not even chapter four. All the diehards know this. It was known as Star Wars, period. And, and the studio said, hey, maybe we can make that money. George, do you have like a backstory? Well, I got an idea to, for continuation. And that became Empire Strikes Back. And they, when they got to number three, Return of the Jedi, let's label this a new hope. Chapter 4, Chapter 5, Chapter 6. That way, eventually, we can get to Chapter 1, 2, and 3. The Phantom Menace trilogy. Okay. I'm kind of skimming the surface. There's a lot more to it, but I'll be here all night trying to explain all that crap. Anyway, so, with that being said, with this here, technically, a New Hope is, a, is the film that started the trilogy. So the sequels are basically Empire Strikes Back, then Return of the Jedi, and then flash forward, we have A Force Awakens, and we're going to have chapter, we already got chapter 7, we're still going to have to get to chapter 8 and 9. So technically, Rogue One is a prequel to chapters 4, 5, and 6. It's like the in-between movie of one, two, and three. Let's put in Rogue One and four, five, and six. Okay. But how could it be a sequel? She said, "Well, it's Rogue One. Why well, they give it a number one? It could be a Rogue Two. Her contract specifically states that if they want to, she signed the contract. They're entitled to make a number two, and she's she's going to start in number two, a sequel to Rogue One. Maybe they just concentrate on her." And some other story where the, um, the, the rebels go infiltrate some moon base or whatever, or some other planet, right? They, Disney wants that. There's an out. And she specifically said in a Hollywood Reporter article that was printed this morning, I made the blog, I posted that. You go to my blog, it's there. And she says, yes, I, in my contract, it states that there is a sequel to this movie. And meantime, they said, no, it's a standalone movie. Disney's not taking any chances. Why? They paid too much money for the franchise. And they said, this is a success. And she's a well-known international star. She can carry the next movie. Now, the next story doesn't matter. It could be anything. Me, believe it or not, we said this and we were mistaken. We know how the movie turns out because of Return of Jedi. Then I realized, oh, we did make a mistake. Return of the Jedi, the Death Star number two, Amos Manda, the, the main character who is specifically in charge of the rebels and the, the attack force, she says, Lada, we got the plans to how to attack the Death Star number two. Lada Banthans had died for this information. Information. We realized, oh, we were talking about the wrong, the wrong, the wrong team. So they can make a film out of that. I know it's a stretch. Got Rogue One for the plans for the, the first uh, Death Star, and then get the plans for the second Death Star, The Return of the Jedi. So they can make another movie based on that if they wanted to. They, they can do anything they want. I mean, this is sci-fi. Okay? So, um, and meantime, they said this, uh, it's a standalone movie. Well, now, I put a, a clip about why Star Wars Force Awakens is the worst um, a movie ever out there. And a lot of fans are pissed off about that. Hey, I didn't make the video. Hey, about Rogue Two, the sequel. Hey, I'm just posting these things, okay? And I'm just going over it with you guys, talking about it, what I think 
you know, Disney brought the franchise. They can do whatever the hell they want. They want Rogue One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're gonna have it. Okay, that's they're doing. You know, um, this movie is a big international hit. They're gonna have all these standalone movies. Okay, and they're all considered prequels. Okay. Because basically, they had, I mean, already the Han Solo story. That's a prequel. A young Han Solo, a young Lando Carissian. Okay? Uh, where they made a bad hook to Lando Carissian. Oh, that used to be my ship, but then he uh, lost it in the poker game. Then I got the ship, blah, 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 back and forth. Okay. There's so much more to talk about this. I'm going to pick this up next time because I just realized I got four minutes left. Now. One more thing I just want to cover. We're going to go back to this. So this is a continuing conversation until the next episode, which is going to be next week, because we're going to start talking about, about some of the numbers, the U.S. International. Okay? We're not going to get the big, strong-ass numbers until after the holidays. After the holidays, we're going to find out how big Rogue One will be. But anyway, something I mentioned in the special announcement. What's with you in Star Trek and Star Wars? I mentioned Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox said, hi, I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Um, I just got done with X-Men Apocalypse. Finally got around to the Blu-ray. Okay. And Brian Singh in the commentary, they mentioned Star Trek, uh, the TV show. Apollo was an alien who got to be really big in the original TV series with uh, William Shatner, you know, Captain Kirk and Spock. Okay. And then... Uh, but the young cadets, he, he said that when the X-Men are fighting Apocalypse at the end, he considered them cadets, and he referred to them as Star Trek, Ratha Khan, how the cadets are getting killed. Okay, that, remember when Scotty brought up one of the cadets um, to the bridge? Why did he bring him to the bridge instead of the, instead of sick base beyond me? But anyway, um, and in the film, you see some of the X-Men coming out of a theater. What's posted up top? Return of the Jedi, and at Jubilee, she comes out saying, you know, better. So X-Men, that's, that's a reference right there to Star Trek. Now, and I made the connection uh, with this actor who was in Star Trek. Um, he was in, in uh, the, the Star Trek reboots. Which one was that? I'm looking uh, Star Trek 1 with the, uh, with the whole Romulan thing. His name is Greg Grunberg. I couldn't remember his name. I'll hold him an apology. Um, somebody heard it and said, hey, dude, man, his name is Greg. Wait till you mentioned that on the next show. Greg Grunberg, he was in Star Trek. He was in Star Trek number three, Star Trek Beyond. He was the commander in charge of the Yorktown uh, station. And he was also Force Awakened. Uh, he's, he's the commander. He said, well, they built some kind of uh, um, planet. I don't know what it is. Another commander said, oh, uh, I believe it's a cannon or whatever they call it. Next to him is Carrie Fisher's daughter, who's from Scream Dream or Scream Queens or whatever. He came from the show Heroes. He's the chubby guy who had that extra special power. So there's a connection with Star Trek and Star Wars. A lot of people don't like it. Face it. Simon Pegg wrote Star Trek Beyond, and he plays Scotty. He played the junk dealer and The Force Awakens. Okay, now about that video, um, people said, you know, it, it's Force Awakens, it's, uh, it's almost like, you know, it's basically a remake of New Hope. Actually, if you look at Return of the Jedi, again with the damn star, uh, Death, uh, Death Star, you know, George Lucas wanted uh, Chewbacca. He couldn't afford it in the first movie. But instead of Chewbacca, because he couldn't afford Chewbacca, he, he got 
Ewoks instead for Return of, for Return of the Jedi. So Return of the Jedi is basically a duplicate of New Hope. Star. Indirectly. Okay? So they say Force Awakens, because my partner Mark who does the show with me, it's not as a rap off, it's just a remake in the video on YouTube. It's about a one hour video. Some guys really got a bono up his ass. Uh, I I do happen to like Force Awakens. It's not it's a hand solo movie. It's not a Star Wars movie because you don't have Luke, Leia, and Han all together. Basically, Carrie Fisher shows up near the end of the movie, and Luke shows up at the last five minutes. So it's not my generation of a New Hope. It's basically a hand solo movie, but it's still fun. Even though there's comparisons to the to the New Hope and the first trilogy. Well, whatever. And if you if you watch it quite quite a few times, you can see the comparisons. But listen, I ran out of time. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to continue this next week for sure. Okay, I'm going to have more radio shows, mainly because we're going to be gone for off. We're going to be off the air for four weeks. Uh, during the holidays, we'll be back in the second week in January. Go to a blog. I list that like every other day. What's going on? I'll keep you and you know. It won't keep you in suspense. It will keep you up to date on what's going on. Okay? Uh, so I'll, I'll see you guys, or, hear, or hopefully you'll hear from me next week on the next radio show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.